Woolworths Big Night In is back. You could win a family winter getaway simply by any three participating products to enter. There's a new winner every day. T's and C's apply. New South Wales LTPS 1823233. ACT TP 1800053. South Australia T18478. Hello to everyone tuning in. We're a Boston Celtics fan site that covers everything Celtics from the latest trade rumor to that other trade rumor to the Nets pick and how exactly Danny Ainge got his free Chipotle for life card. Nobody knows. The Midweek Pod covers all the same topics our site does, but in a more relaxed, in-depth perspective. Best part of it all is we're talking about this from a fan's point of view. So today we're going to be talking about tanking or rebuilding. We can we can debate that. Uh, whether or not you know what, what we want to call it, I am here, Justin Quinn, uh, with Alton Lebrecht, a friend of the pod. Um, hi, Alton. How's it going? It's going. Um, so maybe you might want to tell some of the people some of the reasons why why we have you on the show. Uh, I spent a, a couple of years working in a, a Bristol for Sports Nation. Uh, during and prior to that, I worked uh, with Roland Beach of eighty uh, two games dot com and uh, formerly the Dallas Mavericks when I was working with him, doing uh, stats, charting, where shots were coming from, what kind of shots, how people got into positions. So, like, I've, I'm have i pretty well-versed on the sport, I like to think. Sounds like it. <laughs> I like to think, at least. Now, one other aspect of it, and I think this makes our conversations in real life, not that this isn't real life, but... I think you guys understand. What makes our conversations mostly interesting from my point of view is your Laker fandom. Yeah, you know, um, it's it's weird. I'm, I'm from Randolph, Massachusetts. I was, I was born there. Um, for whatever reason, growing up, I was like, I love the Lakers. And uh, I, I think you may have been at my, my baccalaureate exam where in my thesis I uh, credited my sponsor – uh, my committee and the Los Angeles Lakers for getting me through the process. I love this team. The process, huh? Yeah, no, it's <laughs> that it's oddly the fit. process. Oh man, yes, <laughs> prophetic. Yeah. So um, as we are recording, the Los Angeles Lakers are currently leading the San Antonio Spurs, who amazingly are not resting any of their players. What do you think about that? When you mentioned that, I I was shocked because I, I just got off of work. I came home. You're like, we're being the Spurs, and I'm like, oh, we they must be resting people. Not that <laughs> not that that matters because I feel like it was like a month or so ago we were playing the Cavs and they were resting everybody, and we just got destroyed by them. Um, so like resting people isn't really like a good reason to still lose to this current Lakers. But I was shocked. Kawhi loses points, not really, but like. MVP, he has to move down a spot. Not, not really. I'm no. I, I, I tend to disagree. If you are losing to a team that is tanking on purpose, and I know as a Celtics fan what that feels like. Not that long ago, we had that wonderful performance against Phoenix, and I'm not even talking about the 70 point one uh, where Tyler Eulis beat us at the last minute. So I, I, I understand how that feels, and I personally, I, I really do think it does, you know, knock down his candidacy and notch, at least so far. If they pull out the win, all is forgiven. But um, so a lot of people might not be too familiar with why it's important 
for the Lakers to be bad right now. The convolutedness of this is all processual. Yeah, even even I truly don't have like a full grasp of it. My shorthand say is is because of the Orlando trade. If this coming pick does not go to Phoenix, uh, Orlando will end up somehow for some reason end up getting two second round picks instead of a first round pick. It's it's vitally important for for the for the future of this team that we keep this pick. Because it conveyed to Philadelphia if if it's a first, yes, right? Yes, if it's a first, it is conveyed to to Philadelphia. Um, the Steve Nash trade is involved. The Dwight Howard trade is involved. Yeah. It needs to be top three, I believe. Last year it was top five. This year it needs to be top three, I believe. Top three is what I yes, recall. Yes. I've been keeping tabs on it because I've really been hoping this could also be a possibility for the Celtics – with the Kings, I believe, to have two lottery picks, but the 76ers would also, in that situation, I have, I think have whatever, whatever the, the pick is, probably four or five or maybe six, they're being projected for somewhere in the neighborhood of a five pick at the moment. So my thinking, since we have a team tanking for us and we can get around to that in a minute, is to trade away Whatever pick, unless, you know, obviously, and possibly, arguably, even if it is the first, try to pick up. In my mind, I think having two high lottery picks is better for, you know, not not putting all your eggs in one basket. And you might walk away with two starters or you might walk away with a star or an all-star and a starter. I think it's a lot less likely that you walk away with, you know, two mediocre players or, or, or one dud um, in that situation. But... I'm I'm getting a little off well, track. I mean, you know, it's the 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 risk of having too high lottery picks. Of course, is always that you're Minnesota and that you end up with Ricky Rubio, who's pretty good, and Johnny Flynn, who's nothing. But you don't take Steph Curry. So, yeah, I guess there's really no magic formula. But I do like I do like more than one strike yeah. at fire. So agreed. So I have this theory, and it's probably it's probably complete nonsense, but. The Bus family issues that have, have put the, the franchise with the Lakers in the situation that they're in, I mean, it's definitely real. But as far as letting Kobe stick around as long as they did, instead of giving him like a back room, you know, winking and nod for a back office job to pay him that way, not not cutting ties with him, renewing him after the Achilles, it, it seems like it almost could have been a way to stealth tank. Yes. Yes, I, I think... I think it was a way to 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 stealth tank a bit. I also think, that like not not brazenly, I, but kind of try to ride both both directions. I, I believe at once. during one of those times they brought back Meta, who was in China at the time. So I don't think that that yep. it was. Yeah, it, it was, was not, not that stealth. Not right. that sneaky. Okay. Um, but I, I think they were perfectly fine. You know, throwing the the final years of Kobe's career away with that and I don't think he wanted to leave so uh, he was obviously not going to carry them to anything I, I think there was a general, general understanding of Kobe's talent at the time that Kobe was not going to carry them to an eighth seed like he did with Smush Parker and Kwame Brown fair enough one of the other things that comes to mind from our conversations that we've had in the past, and it actually ended up generating an article, was the issue of timing and luck. Now, for those of you who didn't catch that article, basically I just kind of ripped off the Boogie to Boston articles that Bill Simmons wrote this summer that were kind of like fan fiction, alt history, whatever you want to call it. 
and kind of just like flip-flop the roles of Boston and the Lakers, uh, with the Lakers getting the phone call from Pro- we'll, we'll just say from Billy King because I can't say Prokhorov's <laughs> name very well. Um, so I'll avoid I'll avoid saying that and refer to him as Mikhail from this point on. As an aside, I, I definitely think it's an interesting, though probably nonsensical thing to mention. Perhaps that deal with Boston ended up happening because his name was Mikhail. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just had to say it. Oh, right. Yeah. But if if that alternate history was a possibility, I mean, like, do you think that something like that could have actually happened for the Lakers had things broken differently? I know it's kind of a stupid question, but I mean, like, do you think, do you think that this, this was, you know, I mean, like, obviously you would have had to convince Kobe Bryant to relinquish his no trade clause and you'd also have to placate the fan base. So I was wondering, like, like, do you think that that could have actually happened with enough finessing? And if it did happen, how would you have felt about it at the time? I, Not necessarily I think now. that it absolutely could have happened. You know, uh, we, we did have Powell and Kobe, I believe, at the time. Uh, Powell was, was a year away from being gone. And uh, there was no chance of, of really going where that, that was. I think it was the last year of Mike D'Antoni, which was – a human disaster. Um, yep. Not because yeah. of him, though. Not because of him. Just because of the way that his roster broke out for him and that that love fest I'm between so him and I'm so thrilled that like, he's gotten uh, a job in Houston is doing well there because that disaster and fiasco was not his fault. You know, it really it did. And, and I was worried he was not going to get another job. I'm so happy that he did. I don't like the Houston team at all, but. <laughs> Not potential coach of the um, year, but but as for if it was possible, I, I think in theory it was. You know, you you look at it, there, there were similar pieces. I, I want to say at the time probably better pieces. You, you may disagree there, but like I would say, Kobe and Powell at that point, as you know, in their careers, were still better than Paul and, and Garnett. Um, that. Being said, I yeah, I don't disagree with you, and some people might roast me for saying that, but I mean, in, in the, that final year when we were eliminated by New York, I mean, like the the fire in their heart was still clearly there, but their bodies just weren't responding um, to it. But from like a, a fan perspective, there, there there was always talk I think in two thousand eight about trading Kobe uh, to Chicago, but I truly feel like his his legacy was so like intertwined for like more than a decade with that team, the merchandising, the, the, you know, Phil in his book talked about like the fans love of Kobe and like how he filled seats at a time when the team probably wouldn't have filled seats. Uh, and just friendly reminder, Lakers seats are an awful lot more expensive than anywhere else I have been to LA and they're not easy to get. Um, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of revenue intertwined with him. I don't, I, I certainly think if Mitch had been as forward thinking as Ainge had been, the possibility was there. Realistically though, I just feel like the legacy of Kobe Bryant was too intertwined with that team to, to really do a trade like that. That's not something about the Lakers legacy and the stars attached to them just doesn't seem to mesh with that. Certainly not 
I would say certainly Jim Buss did not have the power to do that. I think that through a bunch of individually not incredibly egregious moves, apart from maybe the re-signing of Kobe post-Achilles, there, there isn't anything incredibly horrible. I mean, Mozgov, maybe. I mean, at least at least in terms of the timing. Do you want to dive into Mozgov now? Because we can do that. I, I, oh boy. <laughs> I, that is, that is hands down one of the worst sightings I've, I've ever seen. That, that, that boy wasn't even, getting, yeah. that boy that's, wasn't even getting fair. like 20 minutes with the Cavs last season. We give him, oh no, um. At twelve oh one, at that, you know, dang, dang, I, I jump jumping before here, but like there was reason to believe he was going to be dang, okay. Dang, I was okay with because you know, let's say D'Angelo takes off. You know, let's say D'Angelo is an immediate star. I, I could see a situation where you're trading Dang in a move for say Cousins or somebody to make Caps, you know, fit together or something like that. He's a guy that like keeps you near the. Eighth spot, then you make a trade, and he like slots into that trade. Dang is fine; he can he can mentor the kids. I don't know what. I mean, like if if that deal had happened and they were scrambling just to find somebody, so it looked like they had a roster that wasn't trying to tank. I I could see it. The money issue, it, it was way too much. But I mean, at least in in, in like a high pressure situation, mm-hmm. it would have been forgivable. The only thing, the only serious problem I have with it is they ended up yeah. with that deal that fast. I mean, literally, you couldn't make a faster deal. You know, I, I always, Simmons does this a lot where he talks about who are you competing against and who are you, you know, uh, bidding against. And a lot of times with a lot of stars, you know, I don't think that that is a fair judgment. Um, he did it a lot with Rudy Gay in Memphis, um, with them giving him the, the full, uh, Supermax or whatever and the extra year. And I think it was kind of wrong to judge them for that because getting people to stay in Memphis is awful hard. So, like, I, I don't always love that argument, but with somebody like Mozgov, who, unless there was some kind of bidding war rush that I just, that I and Woj somehow completely missed, I, I don't think there's any justification for it. Yeah. <laughs> One minute bidding war. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, maybe you know more about this, but I get the general feeling that one of the biggest, pro- like, actual problems, rather than we can discuss, you know, stealth tanking or not, and I could be completely wrong on this, you probably know better than I, it seems to me that just from picking, you know, Mozgov as your centerpiece in free agency, it seems to me like they didn't really seem to understand the direction where the game is going, which, in turn leads me to believe that they don't really seem to be, and they still don't seem to be all that keen on using analytics. Um, like, I mean, I know everyone is using them, but I mean, they don't seem to care about them very much. I totally think that they do. Um, I know that under Mitch, um, uh, Mike Trudell, he's, he's a Lakers beat reporter. I think he works for the team now. Um, he, he had talked uh, back during the championship run about that. The team certainly had analytics, uh, they had people that were looking at the numbers. Uh, the example he pointed to at the time was Shannon Brown, which is still just Shannon Brown. But I knew that they had them. I'm hopeful that the new regime has more of them. But I don't think that for the last few years, analytics have played a uh, 
particular. Yeah, um, a major role. I will say that the, the, the D'Angelo pick would point a little bit to understanding where the game is going because uh, conventional wisdom at the time was to take Ogafor, which thank thank God we did not do that. Yeah, no, thank God. Um, yeah. I, I guess basketball Twitter to to, to use that title that the the logic there was to take D'Angelo and they did and that was a a, uh, I thought a pretty forward they could move and I was very happy with it but outside of that I don't think they use analytics at the very least not well that's that's visible I think that they're going to start more now that they have Walton on board and they have Palenka working with them I'm a little nervous about magic, and when I say nervous Celtics fans, don't crucify me. I mean, I just want to watch good basketball, and I want to watch a good rivalry. So I'm not the enemy here. What are your thoughts on the magic and Palinka hires? I mean, not to go off on a bit of a tangent, but my first thought about all this is that I'm uh, extremely happy that Jeannie is in charge. I... I, this is uh, such a weird thing, but I remember towards, uh, the, the second title run when, uh, Jim was, came out instead of Jerry to get the title and being confused because I didn't know who Jim Buss was. I had read all of Phil's books. (laughs) I had followed this team intensely. I was, uh, so impressed by Jeannie's role in the organization taking over for her father. And then there was this other guy there and I'm like, wait, what? He's in charge of the team. So I'm, (laughs) I'm thrilled that, that Jeannie just has complete control and that Jim can go. Oh, she handled that. Oh, she did. That was some game of Thrones stuff right there. But um, he, he, I'm glad yep. he can go off and be his um, fifth Trump son, like you know, inherited inheritance boy. Yeah, that's what I hear about him. He's very spoiled. Is probably yeah, the no, nicest I'm, term I can. I'm glad with. he can go off. I'm sure he's got plenty of money to do whatever he wants. So, first of all, I'm thrilled that um, Genie is in charge. My hope with Genie being in charge, based on like how efficient is the word I'm going to use as efficient of a businesswoman as she is. It's my hope that she wanted magic there for the uh, PR of it. You know, I just took the business over from my brother. Here's magic. Yeah. He's the face of the franchise. It's magic. You all love magic. It's that's my hope. It's possible. It's possible. He might have a heavy hand, but I don't expect that to work out very long if it doesn't agree with what Genie yes. wants. Based another on what another so hope far. that I have is um, I don't know if you ever heard the story um about Pat Riley uh where he was recruiting Elton Brand for the Heat and they were at a meeting and Pat Riley uh walked in uh had a like a little bag tied to his hip and poured out all of his championship rings. Um, yes, it's my hope that like yep. that could be Magic's role and that Palinka could be the this is who we're going after. Magic, show up and be a charismatic recruiter. If that's the situation, I'm thrilled with it. It's still very early to tell, though. Well, I, I definitely, you know, the the conventional wisdom up until I would even say the trade deadline was that the Laker mystique was dead. And I wouldn't disagree with that statement just from the perspective that the Laker mystique was indeed dead under under the former regime. But it seems like the, 
you know, between the Ball brothers uh, openly talking about how they would prefer to be in Los Angeles and Paul George making a big stink about the fact that he either wants to stay with Indiana or go to Los Angeles and nowhere else. It makes me wonder if something surprising might turn around and, you know, from a selfish perspective, growing up watching some amazing Lakers Celtics battles, I want more of them. So I'm actually, you know, apart from the possibility of losing out on Paul George, which I mean, like, I guess you can't really be too upset about someone who doesn't want to be on your team anyway. I'm I'm actually looking forward to to both teams uh, getting back into playoff shape in a hurry. I'd like to say the Celtics are there, but you know, um, as I'm sure you've been checking from the box scores, I'm not so thrilled with at least our performance the against three, the Cavaliers the tonight. three wasn't dropping tonight. Um, I, don't, I don't think you can judge that. No, they were cold. Everyone was cold besides Isaiah, and I'm not looking at it as, as a straight-up benchmark of the season because I think that barring an epic disaster, they're going to make it out of the first round, and that was really the benchmark of what we were going to call a successful season. We've kind of gotten a little bit big for our britches, you know. You know, expectations have been raised with the Cavaliers looking like they have been looking, and I think people were ready to write them off, and I'm I'm still not necessarily ready to say that they're out of the woods. I I don't think it's necessarily harmful for us to walk our expectations back and just hope for the best. I I, I would look to – Indiana a couple of years back, you know, if you can, if you can make it to either the second round, where you face the Cavs or, or, or the finals and face the Cavs and give them, you know, a, a run for their money. That's a, that's a damn good season, especially for, 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 for these, for these boys, you know, they're a very young team. I think the average yeah, age is like 25 years old at, the, at this point. I, I've been impressed by them, their consistency throughout the season. A lot of that does go to, Brad Stevens, you know, great hire, <laughs> great hire. I I would not have picked that at the time, at all. But we didn't see yeah. it coming. None of us did. It caught us all. I mean, it caught everybody yeah. by complete surprise, which is pretty yeah. damn hard to do. Yeah. No, not to go to conversation, but like I, I feel like um, a lot of the Brad Stevens Butler discussion in college felt always a bit weird because of the. Uh, size of Butler, the uh, dynamic of Butler. So I was, I was very skeptical to see him take off so well. Is I'm happy for him. I'm, I'm happy for them. I'm happy for y'all because I enjoy seeing the Celtics good. I enjoy that being a fun rivalry. I don't enjoy the um, Delonte West, you know, seasons. <laughs> I, t- oh, I don't enjoy those seasons. I don't enjoy those seasons. So I'm happy to. Um, See y'all doing quite so well. This is making me think of another point I wanted to bring up. And Magic denies that the Lakers are tanking. Magic is lying. (laughs) Of course they are. Of course they are. But what is, in your opinion, the difference between rebuilding and tanking? I don't think there is. Is there one? I don't. Um, I think we've talked about this before. Um, I don't. Oh, yeah. Mind the idea of tanking. I don't. I truly don't. Um, It's the economy of the game. It's, It's the... The, the extra 2% to steal the term from Jonah Carey and Tampa Bay Rays. It's like finding the, the, the cracks in the system. There's going to be a lot of talk about how you change it. I think we're going to talk about it in a bit, but like, I don't know that you do. I agree with hmm. you to a certain extent. And my extent is 
We don't want to create a situation where an earnest fan who wants to see competitive basketball is subjected to a half decade of yes. that crap. That is a problem. So any solution for me, like I, I don't see any problem whatever with tanking. I mean, it put, it put Boston in the situation to do what they did. They gave Miami the blueprint to do what they did. Et cetera, et cetera, on into the future. So, I mean, like, Boston gutted itself, got better, gutted itself again is better, and it did it for one season. I, I don't think the Lakers meant to be effectively tanking for multiple. Mm seasons i i personally for me any kind of a solution if a solution is even necessary as you point out only needs to prevent teams from really egregious tanking and also more importantly in my opinion multiple year I, tanking i don't disagree with that point i i think we need to, to try and work towards a solution that removes the 76ers um at the same exactly. time i don't this season, I think we're tanking so hard late in the season because the moves that the Lakers made truly did not think they were going to be quite this bad, or at least not quite this low in the standings. My issue with any solution about this is that I love, in all every sport, the, uh, this is probably the wrong word to use for it. Um, the Marxist nature of, of, of the draft, this idea, Preach, <laughs> this idea of the, <laughs> the uh, most struggling team gets to pick the best players from a, a selection pool, wherein the top five can change your team. And after that, you can get some good players. You know, like I enjoy the nature of that element because it always uh, 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 the element of the game because it creates the possibility for for the fans so i don't want to take that away just from like also a fan perspective but the draft is also kind of messed up in that it basically locks up a player who is providing and here's here's some marxist analysis for you hmm. almost all of the value of the, to the consumer, but they are locked up um, in terms of controlling the direction of their career for anywhere between four to seven years of their career in basically like their, their peak level of utility. So that is another less talked about element of the draft. And like, I, I have some ideas to change that, but they probably aren't going to work because that talking millionaire, excuse me, billionaires out of assets it's, it's is difficult. Um, Oh God, we! I just the, the, I'm sorry. The Lakers just beat the Spurs, not just now, but that's just scrolled up on my 102 to 95. Oh God, oh, that was God. an absolute okay. Relevant. Happening, man. I don't know. Three Angelo. I haven't looked at the box box score. I don't know if it actually is. But you know, you look at something like baseball, where um, Asians and how they they handle rookie deals can force certain players into different markets and. You know, I, I don't think that any solution to that uh, is going to be handled in a in a Tom Ziller post. <laughs> you know, I don't um, – it's – there's yeah. a lot of uh, economics involved. There's a lot of – Committed, anchored process, to use a particularly yeah. valid word. Like you have to – we'd have to be – it wouldn't even be institutable, any solution, unless it was very – Unless you could graft it onto this existing system until like 2020 or my, my, 2021. My big concern always with 
not to, to go off a quick tangent, but like my concern always with um, changing the draft system too much is the fear that in whatever CBA we come up to next is the institution of a franchise tag. Because I hate that in terms of... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That just takes what I yeah, talked exactly. about and makes it you ten know, times You worse. talk about the ability, like the player four to five years after their rookie contract... There's like money incentives for them to stay, but there's always the possibility for them to leave. Probably some closer to seven years around if they want to. That's just gone with the franchise tag uh, and on a yearly basis. So I, I, I always worry about changing it too much. I, I, you're right though. It does. It, it sucks that these young kids during the the era where they are most productive to how much they're being paid do not have any say in where they go some i i think that's something that could change mm-hmm. down the road but the players union is going to have to get real mm-hmm. aggressive and we'll probably have to give yeah. up revenue revenue or or, or you know what could, what could be a good way to do it in the short term not to not to fast forward to any lorenzo ball discussion if we have it but like it, it, it is trying <laughs> to force the, their hands there which is saying like i am not going to go there it and to, to go to other analogies in sports, it worked. Kobe well, hey, did Eli Manning did it, you know? Face of the franchise, it, yep, it can, it be, can done, be done, you know? So maybe that is... But you gotta be, you got to be one of those yeah. top three or four guys to really have the cash to, to really have people think yeah. twice about drafting. But ultimately, like, that's the difference, I think, between baseball, football, and basketball is that, like, for the NBA, the top five picks are going to be the stars. And there's so rarely a circumstance where somebody falls past those first five where, like, they're the guy. So, I mean, Steph. I can think uh, of one. Oh, no, Isaiah, I'm talking you know, Isaiah. I mean. That's just, that's just lunacy, though. That That is literally the rule yeah. that proves the, the – and now to get some discussion back on, on, on about the conversation of luck, Isaiah to the Celtics for the mid-level is that is that is a current MVP candidate. That that is luck. <laughs> um, Absolutely, and we'll take it, man. I mean, after after the wilderness years mm-hmm. and Len Bias and all the other fun stuff that happened, we could use a little. Let's dive into a couple of the thoughts. Some of the, some of the, just some, some real quick thoughts on the, the more prominent proposals out there. Um, I wrote one today. I'm not including that as one of the more prominent ones. Just to put that out there. I take it from your comments earlier. Tom Ziller's suggestion to get rid of the draft altogether is a it non-starter is, is from your point. I mean, I, I have to agree. And he admits it himself in his own article that, I mean, like, in my opinion, the draft is maybe the most important example of PR for the league, where they where they get to sell you hope and the future and the whole nine yards, and they're not gonna ever ever they'll they'll do something to improve it, but yeah. they're not getting rid of it. What about the wheel coming from the Celtics' own Mike Zarin? I'm I'm not opposed to it. For those of you who don't understand or are familiar with with the wheel, the basic idea is that. Draft picks are broken into randomized yeah. chunks, um, depending on 10 to, yeah. I think three was the smallest chunk yeah. you came up with. Um, and they each have their own different problems. 
uh, based on how long it will lock the league into the system. Like if it's 10 years, then it'll take a, a really long time to get a out of it. There's a five-year option. There's, um, I mean, there's there's other elements too. And while it doesn't incentivize losing, it sure as heck doesn't do as good of a job at helping the teams that need the most help. There's some other criticisms too, but like I like I like the idea of disincentivizing losing. That's yeah. important. But I mean, like if if we're going to have a draft, then it needs to do something, and I'm not convinced that it will do what he wants it to do. It will get rid of tanking, but it's not necessarily like the, the purpose of the draft in the first place is to do something about particularly small market teams that can't do well in free agency and really are dependent on the draft to help them. Um, I don't hate it. Something that, that I would really like, and I think at least about a year or so ago, you mentioned it to me. I didn't even hear anything about it, which is the idea of using uh, multiple years of, of records to determine, you know, how many ping ball, ping ballers you get rather than single season is a good way to, to kind of change the sample size, kind of, kind of change. It, it de-incentivizes uh, each of those. The Spurs win tonight doesn't mean as much if we're going on the Lakers' five-year record rather than the Lakers' one-year record, you know? So you have a situation where you can say, hey, young kids, go out there and play. I have a quick, quick tangent, but like one of the reasons why I don't hate the idea of tanking is that while I love competitive balance, there is the element to this game where raccoons or or panda or red pandas come out uh, during halftime and crawl on things <laughs> and hold plates, and it's weird. And it's you know, there is a certain amount of that semi-pro Will Ferrell movie element to all of this. You know, the Lakers, I think, uh, at least when I. Uh, last checked, I, I've never haven't been to Staples Center in, in two three years. But um, if you score over a hundred, if Lakers win, score over a hundred and beat the team by ten points, everybody in the stadium gets free tacos. There's a certain element of, of fanfare to all of this. So like you could have a situation where the Lakers are beating the Spurs, and you know it ultimately doesn't matter that much that they win as long as like they have a losing season ultimately. So something like that I think could balance it out a bit. I I have been refining that idea and I there's some probably some big holes. I, I some of the readers in the article I published today pointed out some minor ones which I don't think are too big of a deal, but the the very Cliff Notesy version of the idea was just to simplify the, the existing lottery process and then add anti-tanking ping-pong balls, which it would work as such. Get rid of the 14-team format because those four teams in each conference that just yeah. barely missed the playoffs, yeah. they don't need the lottery. Yeah. They don't. They don't. They, I mean, the, 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 the chances they get of, of a high pick yeah. are so small anyway. It's just, just mm -hmm. like, let's just take it down to 10 teams. And then the top team, the bottom team really, gets – Mm. 100 ping pong balls. And the, the second worst record, tiebreakers working the same way all the way through, gets 90, 80 for the next 70, all the way down to the 10th worst record, which just gets 10 ping pong balls. And then to keep the number around 1,000, which is where it's at now, what we do instead is then we take the owners. And the owners get to vote for, with ranked choice voting, 
the te- the five teams in the lottery that they feel deserve the top picks. They can't vote for their own team. They can't vote for a team that they have been part of within the last three years just to kind of try to offset collusion. Um, you might even have to throw in, though I don't think it's as big of a deal since it's the same situation around the league. A reader brought up the point that yeah, because gonna, you play division. I was going to bring that up. You know, the, the division thing is probably something that uh, from how they split revenue from games. So maybe you have to all vote out of your division, but then mm-hmm. that would still balance out anyway. Just because you still have the same number of teams voting on the same number of potential candidates. So you would think then they would still baffle it. I could be wrong. I would, I would have to do a little bit more exercises. And then the last, the last 15 votes, the last 15 ping pong balls to bring you to a thousand, you can just give them to the executive structure, the, th- the president, vice president, and executive director of the players association with the same caveats. Can't vote for teams that you're part of or were a part of in the last three years. Same thing as the owners. Have that, it all be that, transparent. That, that I love giving um, the players the union like uh, some say in all of this. I think is an important element that would be needs to be added. Yeah, I, I think that they would be in charge yeah. of watching for collusion. Also, like they would be the primary, and you, you can you can have like the decision made by a non-binding third-party arbiter just to make it completely. You know, airtight. But and then that in that circumstances, you would get another. I think it was five hundred and fifty ping pong balls to bring you to a thousand. So you'd have roughly equal five hundred ish pools in either directions, with the owners having the fiduciary financial incentive. Because for those of you who aren't aware, the reason why the process ended was not because of sports writers or fans complaining. It was owners complaining to the league that Philly wasn't paying its fair share as a major market revenue sharing. For those of you who aren't aware of revenue sharing, big markets tend to support small markets, um, and basketball revenue gets divided around the support. It is based on media markets, uh, on, you know, that Philadelphia for so long, the size of the media market that it is for, especially for basketball, that was a huge hit to the owners. Yeah. So they were really pissed off about that. And that is why. You know, the process ended. Hinky got pushed out with Colangelo, and we're talking about tanking so intensely again. It's table to – I think the next is, CBA is over. Like, it's table to ultimately somebody that, that matters does it. Like if Minnesota is doing it, you know, ultimately the teams, they're just not going to care as much. That Philadelphia, that, that kind of market, oof. Yeah, and, you know – there's even the question of whether or not it works. If you look at Philadelphia now, I mean, the league forced them into what I thought was going to be an improvement in management, but I, now I'm not even so sure. They're starting to trade away at a fairly fast rate. The collection of assets that don't suck, uh, Okafer's out, Simmons hurt, Embiid, Noel was not the best prospect he could have been by the time he left. I, I mean... You know, you, you talk about luck, Embiid is always the... Oof, you know that 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 boy when he was uh, playing well this season looked like a star. I do not. Oh, absolutely. He, he, he was, was a star. star. He, he was, was a star. He I do not star. believe he's going to be a star. I think it was the right choice at the time, and it's why like why I believe that like the draft and giving teams like that, uh, you know, still picks in the future for for taking those chances is so important because. You should take Embiid. He's a star. He, if he can stay healthy, he will carry your team for a like you know 
a generation. But when he gets injured and when he is a seven foot guy with knee injuries, that cripples your franchise. And that's random. Let's wrap up. Yeah. It's getting late. I'm sure I've kept you too long. Just for some final thoughts. After all of our conversations, um, do you foresee any kind of significant action being taken by the league in the next five years to address tanking? I do. I don't know what it is, or I don't know. I, I was this. I don't think it's going to be successful. At the same time, Silver is a, is, is a forward thing guy. I think that it's bad press for them to have teams tanking in this way. That he's going to apparently take try and take some action the next year or so about um, resting guys on uh, nationally televised games. You know, wh- what he did in, in uh, North Carolina. I, th- I think the guy understands how the league is perceived. So I think he's going to try and do something. How successful it is, I, I don't totally know yet. But he's also, he's a, he's a smart dude. He's a that. smart dude. Maybe he... See something that we don't. He he obviously has more information than us. He has contact with all the youngers and everything like. Maybe he can crack the code here. But I always feel like we're grasping a bit at something that we don't always have the full information to. And maybe he does. Maybe he does. But I'm skeptical of whatever he does. I, I think he'll try. I don't think it's going to be successful. Yeah, unfortunately, I tend to agree. Um, I'm hopeful that at least. Maybe if anything comes out of this, we will see when the next CBA rolls around, uh, maybe a small shortening in terms of games or lengthening in season or some kind of an approach broadening the depth of rosters or something to address injuries and with it, hopefully something to do with tanking. Could you guys, you, would you guys, you want to tell these guys, um, how they can, Follow your NBA wisdom because I won't lie. A big part of what I'm doing now with Celtics life has been coming from watching your work, yeah, particularly was, on Twitter. I was going to so, point to, to Twitter. Um, Alton NCF, A L T O N N C F. Fair warning to everyone that follows. Uh, in a month and a half, Bachelorette does start up again and you will get some awful tweets about <laughs> that because that is my weird obsession. Um, I listen to True Hoop. Oh uh, man, no, um, I can take it. Yeah, that, that, I applied to be on this season. Obviously I did not get on. Um, but I, I, that is where I'm most active, especially, um, Coming into playoff season, I will be uh, hopefully looking more in, into into analytics and such. Uh, work has kept me from diving in full stop, but uh, the playoffs are really where I get in. Um, quick quick story anecdote: It is you know the first year I started working for uh, uh, the Dallas Mavericks with Roland. We played the Lakers in the second round or the first round. That was the terrible. I think Andrew Bynum takes his jersey off at the end of the game before getting kicked out. That was the first time I did that. So I always have a special uh, focus during the playoffs. It, it kind of made me focus a bit more. Um, so the tweets will be a bit more basketball-centric once the playoffs get started. Uh, but they, they were also – They're all yeah. worth They're all worth a follow, though. Definitely, definitely give this guy a follow. Let me jump on the promo, as you guys all know, at the top of the links, uh, link area of CelticsLife.com. You can find a huge variety of shirts and hoodies that you can't find anywhere else. 
They're exclusive to Celtics Life. And you can even get tickets to the playoff games that are coming up. I think there's also tickets available to some of the last games in the season. There's only a couple of home games left. So you can check those out. You can find the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, SoundCloud, and MixCloud. Please subscribe so you don't miss any of our insightful conversations. And if you like what you hear, please rate us five stars. And if you don't, please let us know. You can use Celtics Life Pod as a hashtag. You can hit us up in any of the comment sections on any of the articles. You can hit us up on our Twitter, on my Twitter, um, at Justin Quinn, with three N's at the end. That's J-U-S-T-I-N-Q-U-I-N-N-N. We're always trying to bring you the Celtics coverage you want the way you like it. And, um, yeah, that's about all I got. You, uh, uh, no, you thank you for having me on. And, uh, I really do wish y'all luck in the playoffs. I, I don't think y'all have a shot against the Cavs, but I am more than willing to be pleasantly surprised. Likewise. Thank all you right. for having me. Thanks for coming on, Alton.